This is May 30th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I dive into what was the bigger disappointment this spring, the Celtics or the Bruins? I know, I know. I'm sorry to keep bringing up the Bruins disappointment. I am. I can't say it's the last time, but it might be the last time for a while. So we get into that. But the main point of this episode is contract projections jeremy swayman is an rfa what is he gonna get we haven't really touched on that yet so it's, it was interesting when connor and i got into that and what we thought and what some other projections had what are some comparable deals we also get into what tyler bertuzzi might get as well as dimitri orloff and is it worth it for the bruins to take one of even one of those contracts they are cap constrained this offseason going into next uh so it's tough calls but i think they're interesting projections and you're gonna see a lot of those uh, coming up in the recent weeks and that was the that was the episode it was a lot of projecting uh but it was fun it, it's always fun as you guys know it's always fun so without further ado here's my conversation with connor ryan and we're here with connor ryan connor what is up evan i'm doing well how you doing Doing great, doing great. I apologize. Uh, my voice is still gone. Uh, I lost it, so I'm still kind of struggling to to get back to normal. But hopefully, it's not too bad to listen to. Uh, I want to start here, Connor. Another big disappointment for Boston sports fans on Monday night. Big disappointment. Came back from three zero just to get. Crushed in game seven, a complete no show. And I hate to I hate to loop the Bruins into this because we've talked a lot about the Bruins disappointments and what happened this spring. And I even tweeted about the 2019 Cup final, how last night or Monday night, excuse me, was basically just was sort of just the 2019 Cup final game seven all over again, which again, don't like talking about it. I don't. I, I don't like twisting the knife. There's no fun in it for me. Um, but this season, let's look at this season. What was the bigger disappointment? The Celtics' performance against the Heat or the Bruins uh, against the Panthers in, in that series? Because I think there's a clear answer. I know the, the wound is fresh, but it's the Bruins. To me, it's the Bruins. I mean, the Celtics, you know, r- horrible performance. But the expectations were higher for the Bruins. They were supposed to go deeper than just round one. And I, I don't, again, I don't mean to pile on about this, but I think you're going to see a lot, a lot of people comparing them. I think the Bruins are worse. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, the Celtics got further, obviously, and it stinks that, you know, you're fighting against history and you get to this point where you ever went away from the NBA finals, almost complete, you know, the, the fabled, you know, three games to none, come back to, to come back and beat the Heat. Team that again you should have beat, which you know, there's so many things you can factor into that makes it such a disappointing result for the Celtics. But I think at the end of the day, you look at 
the stakes involved. And again, remains to be seen what happens to the Celtics this offseason. The team could look very different. But if you look at it, right, Jason Tatum's 25, Jalen Brown's 26. You've got, you know, other pieces around them. Again, remains to be seen what they do. They probably have to make some moves. But you look at that core, they're at least, even if they do nothing, they're still going to contend for the next couple of years. Is it enough to get them over the top? Remains to be seen, but they are in a spot that I think 95% of NBA teams uh, wish that they, they had in terms of, you know, what they what they can provide, what they can bring, um, and what that young core is for them. Bruins don't have that same luxury, right? And again, we've talked about their core, and they've got guys like Pasternak and McAvoy and Lindholm and Swayman if he signs a new deal and what have you. Like, they're in a pretty solid spot as well, but you look at this past year, I'm always up for grabs. Celtics didn't have a last dance kind of thing for it. It was kind of, you know, unfinished business. You get to the NBA Finals, uh, you come up short, but you still had a good core that's going to build, hopefully, for the future. Bruins just felt like there was their best chance. And, again, we've talked about it. We still think they're going to be competitive. Uh, they'll still, you know, retool some things around and still be a very good team. But this was the shot. And to have it end not like in a hard-fought, you know, back and forth, Eastern Conference Final or what have you, where, you know, sometimes you can just shrug your shoulders to that's hockey. To, again, lose to a team like Florida that, again, has gone to the Stanley Cup Final now. But still, you look at just where you had that team in multiple games. It's a tough hit. Really tough hit. That's why I think the Bruins are worse. And I, I get it. Celtics fans are going to say what the Celtics did is is worse and they were, you know, a tease all season. But, man, that Bruins team... Out in the first, I mean, that's, I keep watching, they shouldn't be out. They, they should not have been out nearly as early as they were. Um, and that's why I think the bigger disappointment was, um, was the Bruins season because it just shouldn't have ended when it did. And I know the Panthers have went on to now the Stanley cup final where they'll play Bruce Cassidy and the Vegas Golden Knights, which would be an interesting series. It should be a very interesting series. Uh, TNT certainly getting a lot out of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, but at the same time, you look at all the chances the Bruins had to close that series out. I mean, all the chances. Game five, game six, you know, you you have those leads in the third period. Game seven, you're, you're up one with a minute to go. And I just keep going back to that. And it's like, there's uh, th- to me, what the Bruins did was worse. Now, if you want to say like, oh, from a historical perspective and a hype perspective, I mean, I don't think, you know, going into game seven of the Bruins series with the Panthers, people were not super high on the Bruins given how bad they'd played uh you know how much they choked in games five and six it was a different story with the Celtics I mean you have the 2004 Red Sox getting rolled out you have every Boston sports star in attendance uh, at the garden I mean you were there I saw your tweet it was loud as hell in that building like it was as hyped an event as we've had in the city since probably the 2019 cup final um or honestly, even last year as well. But I mean, game seven, like a one game thing, like game seven of that cup final. I know the Celtics weren't it last year, but, um, you know, there wasn't a do or die game that the, the Celtics could have won the whole thing in. Um, but again, just colossal disappointment by the Celtics. And now playoffs, <laughs> reason to care about the playoffs are done in Boston. Uh, that's it. You know, got the Red Sox now. Yippee. Got the Boston Red Sox to watch. So lucky us, lucky us. Um, but I, the big topics I want to get into today are sort of uh, the big contracts the Bruins might have to dole out this offseason. Um, and I want to start here because we've talked a lot about the goaltending and Linus Holmark and what they must do with trades and such. But one thing we have not touched on, and, and again, 
We'll touch on this a lot during the offseason. Jeremy Swayman's contract. He's an RFA, right? Do money. Um, I was looking around at comparables. Jake Ottinger, who's, you know, also a terrific young goalie, uh, fell just short this year. Uh, same type of deal, got three years, four million. Spencer Knight got three years, four and a half million. And Carter Hart uh, recently uh, on a similar deal got three uh, years, 3.97 million. Now, uh, there's a website called Dober Hockey. I don't know a ton about it, but they projected a bunch of contracts and they're just projections. So who knows? But he has Swayman coming in at 4.54 million, um, which is a hefty sum. And I also think when you look at those comparable deals, that's why I don't think there's any chance. I think I saw some people say, oh, Swayman should get somewhere around like two and a half, three million. He's not getting that. <laughs> the comparable contracts are too high. Um, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think for any situation in which he's going to sign for like below, I don't know, three seven five. If that, it's going to be a situation where you have to convince him to take like a like a Kevin LeBanc deal, right? Which you know, if you want to pitch Swayman in terms of like run a cap crunch this year, you want to keep the the hugs rolling with you and Ol- and Omar, we're probably going to have to make a move like that, right? In terms of you have to sacrifice for another year, maybe hold off getting your payday for. Uh, another year or two and, and go from there. And maybe there's the buy-in from the player, right? Like we've seen a guy like Kevin LeBanc do it. I don't think his agent would be thrilled about that. And probably no. like, again, as, as much <laughs> no, as I think you wouldn't. look at, as much as you look at guys like Bergeron and Krejci who are at the end of their careers taking very, you know, cheap deals and the greater good of the team. It's still like, you know, any player can do what they want. You still like for a player like Swayman, who's kind of answered the, answer the call whenever he's been called upon as a young promising goalie to you know have him be the guy that he has to take that kind of deal um again it's his prerogative he can do what he wants but i think you look at just reading the market and you look at what guys like spencer knight and jake ottinger and these guys that are signing these kind of two three-year bridge contracts um so when you look at the numbers falls right in line with that right like I, that's why i think sometimes people talk about if they move a guy like omar they're probably comfortable with swimming because he has all the makings of a number one goalie in this league so um, yeah, I find, you know, Bruinson's probably wanted to be a very, you know, super cheap deal for another year or two. And, you know, maybe it's part of the same thing with like, all right, we're on a cap crunch this year. If the cap jumps up next year, let's just tread water this year, whether that's getting Bergeron back for cheap, whether it's signing a like swimming really cheap, just survive in advance, keep the a competitive team in place. And then you can really retool in 24 when there's more cap available. But, um, it's one thing to kind of pitch that. It's another thing for a player to actually go and sign that. Cause again, it's up to the player themselves. If they want to take that risk. Cause also let's look at it, right? Like it's not like if Swayman signs for hell, I don't know, 1.1.5 million on a one year deal, like a LeBanc contract. And then he has a bad year, which it's goaltending. There's a lot of variants. It's not like the Bruins going to be like, well, don't worry. We said we're going to sign you for 4.5. So here it is. Like, you know, like not how sports and business kind of works. Right. Evan. No, it, you're 100% right. That's exactly it. I mean, goaltending, you see even a guy like Carter Hart, the value goes up and down each year. It's not, you know, you're not a position player. He's also younger. When Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci took their uh, team-friendly contracts last year, they were older. Like, that was just to kind of stick around. They've gotten paid. Jeremy Swayman has not gotten paid yet. Um, and this is a number one goalie in the NHL. So um, he deserves the money. He should get the money. Um, and if, you know, if he's smart, he'll, you know, take it for what he's worth. Um, now is he worth 
more than Ottinger, Knight, and Hart. I don't know. I mean, Knight's the top one of that group. Ottinger, to me, is the best of the three. Uh, Knight was the top contract of the three I listed. Ottinger, to me, is the best. So, yeah, I mean, I think you should come in around four. I think that is the the proper value with the, with the cap going up, hopefully, in future years. Uh, you know, you can make that work. He also deserves it. Now, you know, do you want to sign him to a super long-term deal? Uh, you know, six or eight years or something. I don't know about that, but I mean, you, you maybe it's like a Tage Thompson situation where you're saving money down the road uh, by, you know, getting into a contract that's more expensive now. But with your cap situation, how are you doing that? Like, you you really can't do that either. And I still think even if, let's say Swayman does come in at 4.5 million, which is what, you know, the projection I gave you, right? Let's say that happens. You probably still have to deal Olmark, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's, yeah. so that's the other thing is like, that's why, you know, maybe the Bruins will say, hey, do you want, you know, they'll try to pitch him as you can keep Olmark around, but I think he needs to get paid. Do you agree that like, if he does get what he's projected to get, Omar kind of does have to go. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you find yourself in the same situation where you're committing more money to, again, an area of strength, but what happens when you get to the playoffs? Are you going to commit to what you should have done this year and keep that goalie rotation in place? Are you going to panic and run with one guy? And then you've got either 5 million or 4.5, 3.75 million sitting on the bench every single game, right? Like it's one of those things where, I think you look at areas of this team to subtract from just to become cap compliant. Goaltending's probably got to be one of them, right? In, in terms of you're shelling out that amount of money when you get to the playoffs. You can't play both of them in one game. But again, if the Bruins roll out the same goalie rotation in the playoffs that they used in the regular season this past year when they won 65 games, maybe it's worth it. But you got to stick to it. And what happens when you're in the playoffs? You stick to it this time around, Montgomery. And all of a sudden, Omar has, you know, two, a bad game and then swimming has a bad game. And it's like, who do you go to next? You go into the same kind of panic situation. It's not to say that every team should only have one goal and you ride them into the dust, but it's a balancing act, right? And I think you have to have a number one and a very solid backup and, and, you know, run through the whole season and see what puts you in the best spot to succeed. But allocating nine million, nine and a half million to a position like that, where again, you can only get so much out of that unit when they get to the playoffs runs a whole lot of risk. When you look at just where else this team can subtract from, and there's not really a lot you can, right? If you want to subtract from the forward court, you're giving up probably a good player. You're moving useful assets for at least a couple of them on defense, if that has to be the case. When you look at the goaltending situation, that's an area that just makes sense in terms of removing a talented player, getting something in return, and most importantly right now, bringing up cap space. Yeah, I mean, again, it kind of hits back to this year was the perfect storm of – Swayman was making very little money, so you were you didn't allocate much towards two starting goalies in the NHL. Now you probably don't have that luxury anymore. So, Connor, diving right back in, um, we've discussed Swayman. I want to get to the two big UFAs, and we've both given our cases for keeping both and letting both go. But we, you know, projections are interesting. So, Tyler Bertuzzi, we'll start there. Um, most Bruins fans feel uh, it's uh, it's imperative that uh, the Bruins keep him around, find a way to keep him probably better value than Taylor Hall. He's younger. He's only 28 um, and kind of fits this lineup maybe a little bit better um, at the current moment. Uh, so two 
uh, projections from one is from AFP analytics uh, daily faceoff use this one and there's um, they gave Bertuzzi six years at 5.25 million and then that same Dober hockey projection had him at 4.283 million uh, I think they are what both are wildly undervaluing Tyler Bertuzzi uh, but on the flip side are we overvaluing him I don't think we are I, I think you saw his value in the playoffs I think you saw it down the stretch um I think he'll get more than that. I think six years is probably spot on. Brings him up to 34, 35 years old. That makes sense. Um, but 4.283 million, that's barely more than what he's making now. Um, I completely disagree with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think it also depends on how you're reading the market, right? I think it's the most important thing where, sure, you you look at the positives, right? Great net front guy, has scored 30 goals. If he's healthy, can probably give you that for another two, three years, right? We'll see how he is at age 33, 34. But next couple of years, you're going to get a pretty solid top six, middle six guy that can make an impact, as we saw in his short time with the Bruins. You know, cons, uh, you know, skating ability, maybe that's something that concerns you with handing him a longer contract. Defensive play, not great. Got to shore that up because that was an obvious flaw with his game. Um, and then probably injury history, right? Uh, he's had quite a few in the past is that risk. But still, I think when you look at 30, 30 goal scorer, 28, had a fantastic playoff run, and you look at the state of this free agent market of who's available, Oof. I think I think some team's going to give him $6 million. Like Again, what the Bruins would love if you stayed at 4.2, then all of a sudden you can you can move a, you can move that con you can move a contract to do without uprooting three or four contracts, right? Like it becomes a little bit more palatable if you're all of a sudden saving an extra two, two and a half off of what you thought you were going to give this guy, then maybe at the very least it becomes more feasible if you're the Bruins, right? But I just don't see that happening. I don't see him signing for anything under under six, maybe five, seven, five. But I just think you look at how many desperate teams are out that want a guy like Bertuzzi, and he kind of fits that mold as to how I think the you know teams are evaluating what – matters in the playoffs especially you know as much as you look at you know these big body guys or you know people are going after guys like nick ritchie less and less and it's these gritty net front guys that have skill like Bertuzzi that are making a difference i think in a lot of these playoff games they are and again i think he also carries value for you he's a playoff x factor we've seen that um in this postseason and you nailed it with the market do you know who the top you know who the two free agents are that are probably going to get the most money Bertuzzi and Orloff. (laughs) Like you have both. You have them, but you had them both crazy, but it also goes to show you that the market's thin Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, like, you know, these guys are not going to get a lot of money. Um, And you know, they're bigger names because of their past. Um, But there are, we see it every year, Connor. We always look at free agency. We kind of laugh because teams will make like the Red Wings last year. They'll make all these big splashes. And it's like, well, what does it really do? Free agency is so well documented that you don't build your team through that. You can add supplemental pieces. You could, you can go, you know, Bertuzzi is a good example. Good top six guy, you know. But to, uh, you know, the days of getting Mark Savard and Dan O'Chara, two franchise pillars at the free agency day, are kind of gone. Those don't really, that doesn't really happen much anymore. Um so yeah, I mean, again, maybe we're undervaluing him, but I, I again, with given the market, given his abilities, given uh, the way he plays, being something the teams want, especially in the postseason, especially with like, I'm not saying he's Matthew Kachuk, Kachuk's better, but similar kind of gritty style in the net front and such. 
teams might want that and they're 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 going to overpay for it. Um the next one obviously is Dmitry Orlov. Dmitry Orlov, 31 years old. Um AFP Analytics had him at 5 years, uh, 6.25 million. Uh Dober Hockey had him at 5.262 million. I think he comes in over 6. I think this is why the Bruins should kind of steer clear especially considering he's 31. 5-year deal would take him to, you know, 36, 37. Um you have enough money tied up in the back end. Um, but I do think he ultimately gets over six because as we said, someone's going to value him as a top four defenseman. Yeah. I, I think you, again, you look at the state of the market and what he provided. And I think it probably even surprised a lot of probably teams that are interested in sending a guy like Orlov in terms of how much, you know, tangible offensive generation there was like, he's a guy that's been productive in his role previously, but I think he always had the, you know, the, the label as a defense first kind of guy. I mean, him and Niskanen teamed up and, Obviously helped help the Capitals win that cup before they were their shutdown pairing throughout that run there. Um with Bruins, a little bit more, you know, risk reward. I think he had a couple of plays where like, oh, where where are you kind of going, buddy? But you also look at just what he provided offensively, and I think that was a, a big surprise. Maybe again, that's just part of playing in Montgomery system or what have you, but um I do think it's a situation where you look at just that tangible production, guy that's won a cup, there's value there. And he's, you know, I think from Orlov's camp, right, this is going to be his last big contract. I think, again, you're right. You're looking at over $6 million for that. And if you're the Bruins, Bertuzzi, it at least somewhat fits into what they're trying to do, right, in terms of, uh, you know, keeping a very solid core in place for the future. Orlov, listen, you sign him for two, three years, that's great. But I think when you look at this team and how I think they want to approach this retool of keeping their options open, uh, not running into so many cap crunches moving forward, um, Signing a contract like that to a guy at his age has all the makings of an albatross in two, three years where you got to either, you know, try to trade it or what have you. I just don't think you want that on your hands if you're the Bruins, right? You want to keep that flexibility open as you try to really retool this roster on the fly. Yeah, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't add to the to the core. I mean, I guess if you felt if, if this team was missing a top four left shot defenseman, if Hampus Lindholm was not on this team, then maybe that's, you know, Orloff is your guy. And if, you know, if, if that was the case, plus, you know, you, you were a younger contending team. Oh, we need kind of a veteran top four left shot defense. And let's bring in Orloff. Uh, this team is not in that position. So again, a good deadline ad gave you a lot, put up a lot of points in the playoffs for the short time they were in it. Um, as you said, defensive issues for sure. Didn't really ever work with McAvoy well, which was puzzling because I think that was one area where we're like, oh man, you know, imagine Orlov McAvoy and Lindholm Carlo. What a, what a top four that would be. Um, And really not uh, really didn't end up like that. So yeah, I mean, again, it, again, we've talked about it a lot so far, but the cap is going to be an issue this off season is going to prevent them from doing stuff. Um, One thing before we go, one thing before we go circling back on Bertuzzi, I keep thinking we're, everyone's kind of high on wanting Bertuzzi to to stay and get a solid contract and you know move out Taylor Hall to keep Bertuzzi and I get that and I'm kind of in that I'm in that camp, but there's part of me that thinks it wouldn't surprise me if this was like a Matt Bolesky deal where he gave a contract to a guy a longer one and just didn't produce the way you wanted him to maybe his center isn't great maybe it doesn't work but I feel like Bertuzzi could be different I feel like Bertuzzi is different because like Bolesky was. Great because he was with Getzlov and Perry at the time. Um, yeah, Bertuzzi was you know produced with Zaka. 
So to me, like, I, I don't think that will happen, but there's part of me that's the pessimist and he's always like, mm, this could be a bad contract, but yeah. Yeah. You, you run in that risk, right? Again, you look at like the skating ability, injuries, all that stuff. There is like some variance where, you know, I think people think he's going to pick up right where he was in the playoffs or be a 30 goal scorer. Like he's a very good player, but it's not like a slam dunk kind of, kind of deal in that regard. Right. So if you're the Bruins, Get away your options. At this point, you don't have any margin forever in terms of, you know, anchoring yourself to Albatross contracts. Can't do it. Can't do it. Not a good idea. But you know what is a good idea? I want to check out the work Connor's doing at Boston.com. What can people look forward to from you over there? Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, throughout this Bruins offseason. Uh, free agency, uh, any trade, speculation, draft, dev camp, all that good stuff. So please follow over at boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And remember to go subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 